Dear Heavenly Father, um, we are so grateful once again to, to commune with you. What, a, what an incredible opportunity that we have at every moment that we can just simply come to you. Uh, we don't need to clean ourselves up first. We don't need to really do anything. For, we can just come to you as your children. It's just a, such a beautiful thing. Thank you, God, for this amazing relationship to know the, the God of creation, God Almighty, God with us. You're even very present with us, Holy Spirit, uh, guiding us, directing us, illuminating the scriptures to our minds and our hearts, convicting, comforting, helping. You're so good give us gifts that you want us to use for your glory. Oh God, may we just walk well with you. May we respond well to your spirit. And so once again, the prayer of my heart, God, is that we would listen well this morning. Listen to, to you and your movement, your prompting. Uh, change our hearts, change our minds, because we met with you today. So God, be glorified in these things. Uh, thank you for, again, all that you have done. Um, and we commit ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. It's, uh, again, just welcome. It's so good that we can gather as the church. Um, especially if you're a visitor here this morning, we welcome you. It's, um, it's a really special thing. Church is a special time, isn't it? It's not just this cultural thing that we do. It's not just like, okay, Sunday's here. We got we to gotta go to church. Like, no, it's like we get to meet with one another for the purpose of thinking about rejoicing in the God who has revealed himself to us in really, really special ways. I mean, the most special way in that we can have relationship with him. And so if you're here today and, and you're still in this, uh, maybe in a, in a state of questioning, or if you're in a state of like, yeah, I mean, I, I've heard about Jesus, I've heard about God, but I don't really, I don't, there's still some missing gaps in my life. Uh, we're, we're glad you're here, and we, we welcome you to continue to explore those questions and, uh, and, and ask those questions of God. He can handle them. He can handle your fears. He can handle your doubts. He can handle the, even the, the sins that you're having a hard time getting rid of. Uh, God is there with you in all of that. So we, we welcome you, and we're glad to walk uh, this road uh, with you. And so um, a couple of announcements, though, as we, uh, before we jump into our time uh, that we call the sermon, the message, um, we, uh, we wanted to share a few things about um, the life of this church. So first of all, we've got Alpha Groups going on right now. And um, we're really excited about it. Some of you are like, I have no idea what an alpha group is. It's, it's just a small group gathering. It's about two hours. We share a meal or some snacks together. We watch a video about some really significant topics like, why am I here? Who is Jesus? What about the Holy Spirit? Um, and and other, a lot of other questions that we're going to explore. And, um, and so we're really uh, grateful to explore these things uh, together. If you want more information about Alpha Groups, there's some information in your bulletin, but also um, talk to Josh or Chrissy or myself. We'd be happy to, to share with you more about what that, what that looks like, getting involved. Um, also, uh, next Sunday, I want to invite all of you. 
Um, it, historically, it's been mostly about 90% of the people that show up, it's been the membership, which is great. We love having the members there because we need you members to come and vote uh, on the budget for this upcoming 2024 year. And so, uh, so, but we want to invite all of you to come because we want to share a little bit about the life of the church, the vision of this church. If you have questions about, hey, what's going on here? Or like, hey, what about this? Or what, whatever question or thought you might have, we want to receive that, hear it, and then be able to respond and have a conversation. I'd also love to hear from you about some ideas or thoughts that you have about the church, you know, going forward, or what, what's on your heart? What's burning within you about ministry, right? This is a community church. It's not just, you know, us as elders just making all the decisions. No, we, we want this to be a community church. We want to hear from you. So come out to that meeting. We'd love to have you. It usually is about a half an hour. We take some time to share with you about some things and, and then receive questions, and then we ultimately vote on the budget and approve that. Um, if you have, I would say this, if you have any um, significant concerns or questions, it would be helpful if you let us know ahead of time. So uh, there's a number of these copies in the back. Uh, grab one. I also sent it on, on email, I think on Thursday this week. So look through it. Look through especially the budget um, for, for members. And if you have any questions, if you have any concerns especially, um, you know, shoot us an email, uh, elders at wheatlandchurch.com, and we'd love to talk with you about that because we want to make sure that we, you know, clear some of the, if there happen to be any, you know, uh, issues or cons major concerns, you know, before, before the meeting, it'd be helpful to be able to address that with you. So that's next Sunday. Um, and we invite you for that. Also, we've got some bittersweet, mostly bitter for us, but sweet for them, um, we think, uh, news about the Shojin family. They're leaving this week uh, to, to head to North Carolina, and um, where Todd's accepted a new uh, position there. And so um, a number of you were helping yesterday, getting them packed up and moving, and they appreciate that. But uh, we just want to tell you guys uh, we love you, and we've enjoyed our time uh, with you, even though it was much too short. But may God bless you as you go. And uh, I just want to say a, a quick prayer uh, of, of blessing on the Shojin family. Uh, they've been a, a real joy and a blessing to have here at the church uh, for the last year or so. Let's pray. God, we thank you for friendship. We thank you for the church and community. We thank you for encouragement. We thank you for comforts that we can give to one another. We thank you for the beauty of fellowship in your son, Jesus Christ. There is a unity that we share in Jesus that is unlike anything else. And uh, we're so thankful for the Shojin family specifically and uh, the time that we've had with them. And of course, with social media and everything else these days, and they're going to be back visiting and stuff. This isn't like a forever goodbye, but um, we, we just pray, God, that you would bless them as they go. Um, would, you, would you just prepare their way and um, you know, I'm not going to pray that, you know, you, you, you know, whatever, bless them in all the kind of cultural kind of ways that we might think typically, God, but I pray the, the kind of blessing upon them that, that is aligned with your heart. God, I, I pray that they would uh, thrive spiritually as they go, that, that, that they as a family would grow closer together, that, that there would be joy and peace that there would be um, beautiful expressions of fellowship in their new church, that they would find a church home that they could uh, come to and, and um, be involved with and find uh, mutual encouragement from one another. And I just pray that you would so encourage their hearts in these ways. God, so bless them in, in these things. Uh, bless Todd's new job, and may you use him in that situation and in that position to be a blessing to those around him. And Lori, as she ministers to 
uh, people in the neighborhood and the people that she'll get, get to know, and, and, the, and the children as well. So, Lord, be honored and glorified in these ways, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, uh, two more brief announcements, and then, uh, then we'll uh, dismiss the junior church, read our scripture, and get to the message. Um, one of the uh, announcements is, uh, it's kind of like a, a, kind of a boring one, uh, but we have a lost and found. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, we kind of have like a lost and found area where Mark and other people will gather all the stuff that you all leave behind, and we'll put it up at the coat racks in the back. So as you leave to the right, there's some coat racks. There's a bunch of stuff up there. Uh, every like three or so months, we're just going to probably like just clear that out and get rid of it. So there's some nice stuff up there, even if it's not yours. <laughs> um, just grab it. <laughs> like, yeah. um, it's been there long enough at this point if people haven't grabbed it yet. It's not, it's not stealing um, at this point. It's, instead of just having us get rid of it, you just take it and it's a blessing. And then if somebody sees you wearing it, they can be like, hey, isn't that my shirt? And then you can give it back to them. <laughs> Have that beautiful, awkward situation. That's always fun. So take it at your own risk. Um, also, <laughs> Mark's going to read the scripture for us in just a second, but look at the sweatshirt Mark's got on. Um, he loves this church, Wheeling Community Church. Um, we've got a bunch more of these sweatshirts. Uh, if, if you're interested in having a Wheeling Community Church sweatshirt, um, uh, yeah, um, there's, a, there's a bunch down there. We would just love for you to have them. Somebody generous, generously donated a bunch of money to pay for the, the rest of the, the cost for that. So just, if you don't have one already, uh, take one. It's mostly large, extra large. Um, we might have a few mediums left, but... Um, Go downstairs, grab, grab a sweatshirt or two, and, uh, and share it. All right, Mark, come and read the scripture. Um, actually, you know what? I think I'll, I'll, have, I'll have junior church dismissed first. You guys can go on downstairs, and the rest of us, we will read the scripture and go from there. Thanks, Mark. How's that? Oh, I can hear you. Or you can hear me. Good morning, church. What a privilege it is to come and worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to thank the worship team for leading us in spirit and truth this morning. Thank you so much. Um, as I read through today's scripture, what came to my spirit was, I believe. All praise to God our Father, all praise to Christ the Son, all praise to the Holy Spirit. Our God has overcome. I believe in the precious name of Jesus Christ, I believe. And in the word today from the Gospel of Mark, starting in chapter 6 with verse 1, he left there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in a synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things, they said? What is the wisdom that has been given to him, and how are these miracles performed by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? So they were offended by him. 
Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in, the, and in his household. He was not able to do a miracle there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. He was going around the villages teaching. He summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the road except a staff, no bread, no traveling bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on an extra shirt. He said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. If any place does not welcome you or listen to you, when you leave there, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. And this is the word of God. Amen. Thanks, Mark. Uh, so yeah, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we started this this past fall, and so we are continuing on after a little bit of a break for the last month and a half. And so we find ourselves in chapter 6. And um, a number of months ago, I used this illustration, uh, if you remember from Blockbuster Video. Uh, how, how Blockbuster Video, you know, for me growing up, you know, I was an 80s, 90s child, it was like a big thing, you know. And I even remember, who remembers Wegmans Home Video? Department. You remember the Wegmans video department? Uh, all of you under 20 are just like, what? Wegmans had uh, movie rentals? Yes. Uh, it was awesome because uh, then you could go to Wegmans and then you could get like all your food that you need for your movie night. It was perfect. But anyways, Blockbuster Video, we know the story of Blockbuster. They, j they, they failed to adapt to new information, right? They, they were so set in their ways. They were stuck in their ways of how to do movie rentals, video rentals, and they, they failed to understand something new that was going on in, in culture. And, uh, and we could use any number of uh, illustrations, right? Uh, one of the favorites around here is to pick on Kodak, right? Um, that's, a, that, that's another one of the classics, right? Where, you know, the, the whole perspective of the film and, you know, being married to that and all that kind of stuff. But here we have, you know, a story of Jesus' own people, the ones he grew up with, right? Right? Uh, unwilling to consider new information about Jesus. They, they, they only knew him a certain way, and they didn't adapt. They weren't willing to consider um, who he truly was. Uh, so here we go. We're going to jump in today, and I just wanted to share the outline in the beginning here. This is kind of what we're going to be looking at today, three main parts today uh, of, our, of this message. First is um, that people were offended by Jesus, verses 1 through 6. And we're going to just process that a little bit and look at some uh, principles and some make some application. And then secondly, that Jesus sends out his apostles. Um, and we're going to look at that. And, okay, this is what Jesus said to his apostles. What does that mean for us? Because we are not his apostles. But is there, is there application for us? And we'll, we'll look at that. And then lastly, we're going to look at how uh, people had strong reactions to Jesus. And, uh, and we see that in both of the two uh, sections here of Mark chapter 6. So this is where we're going. So, you know, as Mark read the scripture, wh what did you hear? Here's the overarching problem that people had in Nazareth. The first six verses we're looking at now. The overarching problem that people had is that they were focused and they were thinking naturally rather than spiritually. They were, they were focused on the teachings of men rather than the heart of God. Did, did you notice that when you, when you read that? 
what were they thinking? They, they were thinking about the natural realm. This is who Jesus is. This is how we remember him. Isn't he the carpenter? And, and they were thinking about things naturally, and they were a product of the religious system of the day. Rather than the true purpose of religion, which is to capture the heart of God. And this is just a little bit of a tangent this morning, but I think this is really significant because here today we have a problem if we come to church week after week, if we do our religious thing and we miss the heart of God, we miss the truth of God. Church, we've got to be sensitive. If you're a Christian here, you've got to be sensitive so that you don't become too familiar with Jesus the way they were. But you become very familiar with Jesus, but not lose the wonder not miss the beauty and the truth of who Jesus is. In other words, don't just go through the motions of religion, but understand that true religion is meant for you to capture the heart of God. Actually, you know, one of the only places in the whole New Testament where the word religion is used positively is in James chapter 1, verse 27. Many of you are thinking this, I can tell, <laughs> just by the looks of your faces. You know this verse because it says, pure, religion, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. What? Two things. Who knows the first one? Care for the orphans and the, the, orphans and the widows in their distress. And the second one is, keep yourself pure or unstained from the world. Right? In other words, what is the heart of God there? He's saying, James, the brother of Jesus, by the way, is telling us this is what pure religion looks like. This is what to practice your faith looks like. It's the heart of God. It's to care and have compassion for the most vulnerable and needy people in the world. And you yourself seek holiness and reverence before God. Notice it doesn't talk about having a really great worship time on Sunday morning, Right? Make sure everything is just amazing. You got the lights. You got, you know, everybody's dancing, raising their hands. They're excited. There's emotions. That's fine. That's totally fine. But that's not the priority of Jesus. Notice it's not having a, a really amazing preacher that, like, stirs up everybody's hearts with these really cool stories and this emotional moment where people come forward. Like, that, that's not the heart of Jesus. The heart of God is that we might be an obedient people. The heart of God is that we might live according to his heart. Now, does a great time of worship help? Yes, absolutely. Does a, does a, is it, does a great communicator and preacher of God's word help? Yes, absolutely. That's, that's, that's wonderful to have those things. Um, but, but that's not what it's about. And so we at Wheatland Community Church, we, we value those things, but as a, as a quote-unquote religious institution, we, we, we are not going to make those the main things. The main thing for us as elders is that we want to see each of us as the people of God come in connection with the heart of God, because that's what matters. And I think the, 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 the system, the, the Jewish system, right, it was all about how we come to God from our vantage point. And, and they missed the heart of God, largely. Not entirely, but largely. There, it was, and, and, and Jesus, how often does he blast the religious leaders? I mean, he blasts them. Have you read the Gospels lately? Read Matthew 23 this week if, you, if you're interested. I mean, he gets after them. Why? Because they were responsible for leading the people and they led them poorly. They didn't lead them in the heart of God. They led them in their perspective of the law of God. And they missed the heart. And so we ought not to miss God's heart. We ought to, to seek out the heart of God. 
and be very sensitive to walk humbly with him and to obey him. Okay, so let's look at the first principle of these first three verses. Um, let's read the first three verses once again, and then we'll, we'll look at it. So again, he left there. Jesus uh, left So from chapter 5 there where he was traveling, um, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. Here's some questions. Where did this man get these things? What is this wisdom that has been given to him, and how are these miracles performed by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, or Joseph Judas, and Simon? Aren't, and aren't his sisters here with us? So they were offended by him. Um, so you, you've probably heard this principle before. This is kind of a, a, a popular phrase, if you will. It's this. Uh, familiarity breeds contempt. Right? You've heard that before. Familiarity breeds contempt. And, and, and we, see that, we see this in the natural world, don't we? Right? Now, like, I mean, can, can picture the guy who lives, like, at the base of the Grand, or at the top of the Grand Canyon. And not that there's, like, houses there. But, um, or picture the person who lives at the, at the foothills of the, of the Swiss Alps. Or name your favorite iconic, beautiful place, you know, alongside the cliff of some mountain in Hawaii or something crazy, like some amazing, beautiful place. What after they wake up day in and day out and they see the same thing every single day, what happens? They, 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 start, they start losing the wonder of the beauty around them. They, 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 don't, they, they start losing the appreciation of what they have. And the danger, the danger is always for, for us, the church of God, to never lose the wonder of Jesus. Now, now, in fairness, the, the, the people of Nazareth, had, had, Nazareth had, a, had a unique issue, right? Because Jesus was, you know, right? He was a little boy, right? We don't know the exact age when he came to his, he and his family came to Nazareth, but he was young. And, um, and Jesus, you know, grew up there. And so the, they, they always knew, oh, Jesus is, you know, the cute little kid that's really awesome. He's a really nice guy. He does a lot of really nice things. And Always polite, and you know, they, they knew him as like, ah, oh, he's the nice kid of, of town, probably, the one that all of his brothers are jealous of, right? And um, and that's how they saw him. They saw him as the carpenter. This, by the way, is actually the only. I think it's the only place in the New Testament where Jesus himself is called a carpenter. Other places, he's called the carpenter's son. So it's kind of unique. So Jesus, we we do believe. That's why we strongly believe that Jesus actually did follow in his father's footsteps and maybe take over the family business, and actually did carpentry for a number of years. And so, so we naturally devalue the familiar, don't we? And so we have to be on guard for that. And so let's just think for a moment how sad these remarks are, the, 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 these questions. All right? Now, they had a good first reaction, didn't they? They were astonished. They were like, Wow! That's good teaching, right? Because when Jesus teaches, you can't help but be amazed. You can't help but have some sort of radical interaction with his, with the, in response to his teaching. Jesus is so polarizing. We actually looked at that this past weekend at Alpha. Um, and you young adults, you guys are going to watch that t- today about you know, the question of who is Jesus. You can't be neutral on Jesus. You just can't. You're either going to be like, amazed and wowed at how incredible he is, or you're going to be contempt. You're going to be 
just abrasive with the content of what and who Jesus is. And so here, they started out well. They started out with, with a right response. They were astonished, but then they immediately thought to themselves, well, isn't this, and how is this? And, and they started skeptically picking apart who Jesus is. See, they had God in the flesh. They had Emmanuel, and they just missed it. They were offended by his wisdom. They were offended by his authority and power. They were offended by his prominence. And and I don't know, maybe there was jealousy going on in their hearts in some of these questions. We don't really know. We can't discern their motives per se, but it was an issue. And so the application for us today is is really, um, like I've already said, we, uh, we need to not be too familiar with Jesus in this sense. Now, there's a, there, again, there's a very real sense in which we want to be very familiar with Jesus, right? Jesus himself even says, abide with me. Like, constantly live with me. Like, never stop living with me. Constantly be in fellowship with me. But we have to, church, we have to guard our hearts from, from losing the wonder of who he is and the power of his calling and the significance of it. Because it it gets monotonous to come to church every week, maybe even come to Bible study, read your Bible every morning. It can get monotonous. It can get typical and you can get into machine factory mode where you're just going through the motions, you're doing what you're doing. If your heart isn't aware, right, emotionally, psychologically, of what's going on. We have to be on guard. We can't be asleep. We can't be lulled to sleep by the world even while going through our Christian motions. We have to, we have to make sure our heart is in it. And, and, and that's my challenge to, to you all this morning, largely. At the end, we'll, we'll reinforce this and looking at, looking at a scripture from Hebrews. But it's, it is really significant for us to make sure our minds and our hearts are engaged with the calling of God and the person of Jesus Christ. So they, they were offended by him, and then, and, and here's, the, here's the really sad thing as Mark kind of drew out especially, they, they didn't believe. So let's, let's, look, let's look at verses 4 to 6. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his household. He was not able to do a miracle there except that he had laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. He was going around the villages teaching. So we have our our second principle is this, that unbelief is death. Unbelief is death. And and here again, I want to beat this drum of death. Don't think of death as annihilation. That's not what death is. Death is a separation, right? Um, And so unbelief is death. When you disbelieve in Jesus Christ, when you say no to Jesus, you are separating yourself from relationship with God. And that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what happened. Jesus said, okay, I'm going to go on to other towns. And actually, if you were to read Matthew's gospel, chapter 10, chapter 10 is like, um, oh, I'm sorry, that's actually a different one. Which one is it? Um, This is what happens when I don't follow my notes. (laughs) Luke chapter 4. If you were to look at Luke chapter 4, it's a little bit of a parallel uh, to this. Um, except it's, it's actually uh, an earlier visit that Jesus had to Nazareth. So this is actually Jesus' second recorded visit that we know of to Nazareth since he started his public ministry. 
His first one uh, takes place in Luke chapter 4, where he, he comes to the, to the, to the um, to, to Sabbath worship, and he's given a scroll of Isaiah, and he proclaims, uh, this, this is fulfilled in your presence. I am proclaiming, you know, freedom of the captives, you know, all, all of that. He says, this is fulfilled. I am fulfilling this in your presence. I, in other words, I'm the Messiah, essentially saying that. And, and he goes on and he teaches them, and, he's, and, he's ta- and this is right after his baptism and temptations. This is early on in his, in his public ministry. And what did they do in response? Do you remember? If, if you don't, look at Luke chapter 4. You don't have to do it right now, but if you're interested. They drove him out. They were pushing him off. They were going to push him off a cliff. But then Jesus just miraculously weaves his way out of, out of the situation, like only Jesus can, <laughs> being God. But they were ready to kill him because of what he was saying. And, and that was months, maybe a year before this. We, we, don't, we don't know the exact timeline. And so Jesus goes back. He goes back to his hometown. Things have obviously cooled down a decent bit. Um, and they don't have quite the intense reaction this go-around. But still, there's this sense of, of disdain and rejection of Jesus Christ. They were unwilling to consider this new revelation. Oh, church, may, may we not have hardened hearts to God. Now, I'm not going to say that, you know, God's going to come and give us new revelation, <laughs> right? We have to be very careful if somebody were to say, I've got a new revelation from God, right? We have to be careful about that. But let us not, but let's be honest, we don't know this book well enough to say that we might not flip to a page, read something, and it feels like we've read it for the first time. Maybe you've read the Bible a number of times already. But maybe you read it for the first time and you're like, whoa, that's intense. What's your heart going to do with that? How's your heart going to interact with God's word? Is, is it going to be like the, the people of Nazareth and say, I, I don't know about that. That's kind of, this, this seems, this doesn't seem, you know. And you start pushing back and you're, you're skeptical about God and his word. Or are you going to receive it humbly like people in other towns did and receive it with faith? Because that's what we're called to. We're called to believe in God. Because the, the most significant issue, the most significant sin The most damning sin, the only damning sin, is unbelief. So, what do we do with this phrase? Uh, He was unable to do a miracle there. Does that that bother any of you? He was unable to do a miracle. What do you mean Jesus was unable to do a miracle? Right? Now, some of this is just kind of the, the kind of the semantics, right? Of like, okay, you know, we as Westerners, we 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 make everything super, super technical. Was Jesus actually able to do a miracle? Well, yes, he can do whatever he wants, of course. But I think it's also interesting. This gives us a little bit of a, I think, understanding of how God works. It's very similar to the doctrine of salvation. When someone comes to, to, to God in response, right, to, to hearing the gospel, you, you have a response, and your response is either I'll accept the message of, of God's truth, that I need to repent of my sins and believe in Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation, or I'm going to reject it. And if you reject it, well, you don't receive salvation if you reject it, right? But you receive salvation if you receive it, if you believe it. Similarly, 
the way Jesus does miracles, how often does he interact with people? And he asks the question, do, do you believe this? Or people will come to him and say, oh, Lord, I, I believe that you can heal me. And, and then he'll heal because people have faith. And so the way God works is he works in beautiful relationship with our faith. And it's a mystery. It's, it's, it's a, it, I wish I, I could unlock, you know, it, but the reality is, is that there's no formula for this. It's a mystery uh, how this works. But we are called and responsible to have faith, and God will be faithful to do his work, the exact work that he wants to accomplish. And we can trust that, and we should trust it. So the application here, which we'll, we'll actually get at again at the end, is this. We need to take care to guard against unbelief and encourage one another. And, uh, and, and I want if, if to, especially for those of you who are taking notes, I, wanna, I want you to jot down Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 to 19. We're going to look at three of those verses at the end, but Hebrews chapter 3, 7 to 19, and also Hebrews 10, 26 to 39. Just for, for further reading this, this afternoon or this evening or later this week, I want to propose those scriptures to you on this point. Because, because we are called, church, we are called to take care against unbelief. Because the, the author of Hebrews is writing to the church, and he's telling them, watch out so that you don't have an unbelieving spirit. And then he says, encourage each other, encourage each other in faith. Encourage each other to believe in the gospel. Encourage each other to keep going, to not lose heart, to don't get discouraged, but to endure to the end. And so th I think this is significant application for us this morning. We need to be actively doing this. Church, when's the last time you encouraged somebody? Like really, when's the last time you encouraged somebody? You, you texted someone, you called someone, you met with someone over coffee or after the stir service, you stayed a little extra and said, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing in faith? I really, I want to call you out. If you call yourself a Christian and you're not encouraging people, what are you doing? You're disobeying God. Christian, I'm talking to the Christian here. We, we are called to encourage each other. You can't encourage each other in a vacuum. If you're out the door as soon as, as the service ends and, you, and you're unwilling to communicate with people, you don't come to a small group, you're not, okay, great that you come to church, that's great, but like, Church, let's gather together. Let's be the church. Let's love each other. Let's encourage each other in faith. I need you. As a pastor, I need encouragement. You need encouragement from each other. We got to do this, church. Not because it's our job, but because we should. It honors God and it helps each other. When we gather together and we talk with each other, we look each other in the eyes and say, hey, I care for you. How are you doing? What's happening in life? And then, you know what, we get to know each other, and then pretty soon we start sharing deeper things with each other. You know, not with everybody, but with a few people, right? You build trust with certain people, and then, and then all of a sudden you can say, hey, I'm praying for you about that. How's that going? If I didn't have my Friday night small group, I would, I would be deeply discouraged at times. It's helpful to have people to talk with. If I didn't have Mark as an accountability partner, I, I'd, I'd, it'd be harder. It would be harder if I didn't have Christians in my life to encourage me, and I, and I them. And that helps guard against unbelief. Fellowship is the critical ingredient. That's why we talk about the commitment to gather. We need to be with each other. We need to encourage each other, church. And we need to encourage each other in the context of the truth, which is what the people of Nazareth missed.
All right. Um, the second section, Jesus sending out his apostles. Uh, let's look at this here. So he, he summons the 12, and he begins to send them out in pairs, and he gave them authority over un, unclean spirits. He instructs them to bring, uh, to take nothing for the road except a staff, no bread, no traveling bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on an extra shirt. So uh, he continues, he says to them, Whatever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. If any place does not welcome you or listen to you, when you leave there, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil, and healed them. All right, in a couple of weeks, we're going to hear the report. Uh, next week, we're going to look at... Um, uh, verses 14 to 29, which is about John the Baptist, a really kind of weird story of, of, of how he died. Uh, we're going to tackle that. But then we're going to pick up again in verse 30, which is the apostles reported what they had done and taught. So, um, and then we'll pick up the story there. But, um, but th- th- that's what Jesus did. He instructs them. And so when Jesus sends out his apostles, notice what, uh, there's six things I want us to bring out just briefly. One, he gave them authority. He equipped them with instruction. He called them to trust God for provisions. He called them to let others bless them. And he called them to leave those who are unresponsive. And, and what did they do? They, they obeyed, and as we're going to see in a couple weeks, they, they rejoiced in it. Now, I think it's important for us to discern between two distinct categories, and that is what Jesus was saying specifically to his apostles versus what does that mean for us? So, Because there is a distinction here, isn't there? Um, we don't read this and we say, okay, this is what we need to do. Like when, when, when Corey and Christy left this week, right? They packed a suitcase, I imagine. Three of them. Uh, you know, I got to talk to them because Jesus said, don't bring anything with you. Like, no, that's obviously not for us today, right? So like, what are the distinctions, right? So we've got to understand... What is it that Jesus is saying specifically to the apostles, and what is he saying to us by extension from the apostles? That can be, dis- that can be tough to discern sometimes. Here's, how, here's the, I think, just historically how you discern these kinds of things. When a context dictates um, that Jesus is speaking directly to the apostles, we understand it is directly and specifically for them. This instruction is for the apostles. Now, what can we take from it? Uh, I, I think there's really, I mean, two primary things here, but I mean, there's, there's more, but there's two primary things. One, we are to testify about Jesus. We are to testify about Jesus. Where do we get this from? Well, we get this from the rest of the scriptures, right? How often are we called to testify to, to Jesus Christ in, in, a different, how, in many different contexts? Jesus himself, right, before his ascension, he told his disciples, all of them, um, Go and make disciples, right? And then Paul, multiple times to many different churches, says, you are my ambassadors. You know, you testify to God's grace. When you, Peter, when you're, when you're interacting with people, be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. Do it with gentleness and respect. And there's just so many examples, right, of, of when and how we are to testify to the world about Jesus Christ. So we are to, to follow in that footsteps. That doesn't mean that we have to go specifically, you know, somewhere, like out of our normal context, that's not necessarily our calling. That is some people's calling, like Corey and Christy and others, but that's not necessarily ours. 
Same thing with uh, Amanda. Randolph was actually here, one of the missionaries that we support. Um, and um, she was actually here a few weeks ago. We didn't know until the end of the service, though, so she wasn't able to share a report with us. But she'll, she'll be back again uh, in the summer, and we'll hear from her then. But um, she, she, is, you know, she, has, she has gone out by herself. Jesus said, well, you know, he sent them out in pairs, right? Again, another distinction, right? Now, I think it's wisdom, generally speaking, when you can, to have a partner in ministry as you go, but that's, that's a distinction. So the, so the first one is that we are to testify. The second one is, I think, that repentance matters. I, I think the message of repentance matters. When we go and testify with people, we've got to talk about sin. At some point, I'm not saying that you have to start with sin. I'm not saying, you know, method, methodologically, you know, everyone's going to have a little bit of a different approach. But like at some point to make disciples, you've got to deal with sin. And the response, the calling is to repent. That is not optional. There, there, there's been a, a huge debate within Christianity of, well, do, do people have to repent or is it just believe? And I, I would say that there, there really is no belief if there's no repentance. Because how can you believe in the gospel message of Jesus Christ and not turn away from sin? How can you still love sin and also try to say you love Jesus? Jesus actually tells us that this doesn't work. You, you either love the one and hate the other, hate the one that love the other. There is no have two feet in both worlds. It just, it, just doesn't, it just doesn't exist. It's not even an option. So we must repent. And we see this all throughout the scriptures. Jesus says, unless you repent, you will perish. He calls everyone everywhere to repent. Repent and be baptized, Peter said. Every one of you for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus says, I have not called the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus in Revelation says, as many as I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Paul says, godly grief over sin produces a repentance that leads to salvation. So, and that's just a few. Um, if, if you're interested, um, a, a really helpful source, I've shared this before, openbible.info, I think it is. Uh, it's a great uh, source. It's, it's my go-to place for topical uh, Bible verses. And I just typed in repentance, and boom, like 50 verses showed up. And it was like, oh, that's so good. And it, I was overwhelmed with the amount of scriptures. I just picked a few. So repentance matters. Repentance is a significant um, calling for all people. So we testify of Jesus and we call people to repent. Now the apostles here were given special authority to drive out demons and to heal. That, that special authority isn't given to all, but here's what we all do have. We all do have the Holy Spirit who gives us gifts that we are to use for the building up of the church. So there's a, there's a similarity but a distinction. You might not be called to drive out demons and to heal people, but you may be called to serve. You may be called to encourage, right? You, you may be called to give generously. Uh, we need to use the calling that we have of the Holy Spirit. It just, it may not be driving out demons and healing people. Um, typically, we don't see that as, as, as prevalent, as one of the more prevalent gifts. Uh, also, again, we've already talked about how the apostles were not to take extra provisions. Um, we're also not called to necessarily visibly display um, the, the rejection of God, on a certain place, like the apostles were, right? They were supposed to shake the dust off their feet, right? Like, you know, when, 
after we get done, you know, if I'm playing soccer with some friends or something like that, and I, I share the gospel with one of them, and they say, I don't want to hear about that. I don't take off my soccer cleat and say, well, I shake the dust from you. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous, right? We, 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 don't, we don't necessarily do that. Why? Because that's, that's not something that would go over too well, <laughs> practically. Nor is it something that has the same kind of meaning today. So, um, if you're interested more on the, call, the, the calling specifically of the apostles, Matthew chapter 10. This is where Matthew chapter 10 comes in. Uh, right here, we have about seven verses on the calling, the commissioning of the 12. In Matthew chapter 10, you have 42 verses. So, he really expands out this calling for the apostles. So, if you're interested in hearing more about this and discerning what's, what's distinct about our calling versus the apostles, check out Matthew chapter 10 today. Uh, just in short, Matthew chapter 10, um, one of the themes of that chapter as Jesus is teaching his disciples is that, um, is that the apostles were going to be met with incredible opposition and disbelief and rejection, even hatred and violence. And Jesus himself even said in that passage of Scripture, Matthew 10, he says, I came not to bring peace but a sword. It's an intense statement by Jesus. He says, I, you know, I've come that you know, family will be divided. Close friends will be... Di- there's there's going to be division because of this gospel message. And what are we going to do with that? How are we going to feel about that? Are we willing to experience that division over Jesus Christ? And church, we've got to, ask, we've got to answer that question for ourselves. How willing am I to commit myself to Jesus Christ? Am I willing to divide friendships and even family members over this? That doesn't mean that I reject them, but in, in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people, a lot of people aren't going to like it. They're not going to like you because of it. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you too. So how willing are we to present the gospel to people? Because it is their life. It is the only hope. And so we must share it. We, do, we don't have that option, right? Once again, that is our calling, church. We, we have to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. That's not an option. Once again, if you're here as a Christian and you have no heart's desire to share the message of Jesus, I'm not saying that you have to share it every day or there's anything, but if you don't have a heart's desire to share it, if you're not somewhat ready to share it, we've got to get ready. Like, we've, we've got to ready ourselves. Church, this is, this is what we're called to. We're called to testify to the only hope of anyone's salvation. If you've been saved by Jesus Christ, you are called now to share that. Because that's the most important truth that anyone will ever consider. So let's finish up with um, how, do we, how do we think about people's reactions to Jesus? And, and essentially, um, the gospel is offensive. As we look at how people respond to Jesus, it seems like most people get offended. Or they try they try to repackage Jesus in a neat little box that makes him respectable, but not God. And for those of you who've been around very long, you know how much I love the C.S. Lewis quote where he says there's three options for Jesus, right? He's either a lunatic, he's a liar, or he's actually Lord God. Those are the only three options. There's no middle place for Jesus. There just isn't. You cannot be neutral on Jesus. I, I tell this to people, uh, not all the time, but when I interact with people about this, 
this is my one sticking point. I'm like, no, 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 you're not, you're not allowed to be moderately okay with Jesus. You don't get to have that option. Actually, Jennifer and I were speaking with, uh, with a Muslim couple one time uh, a few, few years ago, and they were saying, oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus is good. Yeah, he's great. And I were like, no, 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 but do, do you know who Jesus is? Like, and and we, we kept pressing them on this. No, you can't be neutral with Jesus. You can't think he's a respectable teacher because he's crazy if he's not God. So you, you have to either hate Jesus or love Jesus. That's the options. And so I would encourage you, press people in on that. I mean, lovingly, right? In conversation with, with thoughtfulness, right? Don't, don't, you know, don't be a jerk about it. But like lovingly, press people on that. Don't let them take a moderately okay stance with Jesus. The gospel is offensive, but to whoever receives it, there is joy and blessing for both the recipient of the gospel as well as the one who distributed the gospel, you and me, the messenger. So I have a few questions for us to consider, and then we're going to look at Hebrews, and we'll call it a day. Um, I want us to, to really look at some of these questions um, in an evaluation kind of a sense. This is more of a, of a um, you know, as it relates to application, it's more of a mindset application rather than something that we necessarily do. But I want us to really think and challenge ourselves in some of these questions. Um, first, well, what's my response to Jesus? Let's not be too quick to answer this question from the standpoint of like, oh, yeah, yeah, me and Jesus, we're good. Like, no, no, like really what is your response? A follow-up question is how has Jesus changed me? I mean, really ask yourself that question because if Jesus is true, if he is who he says he is, there is no other option but to be completely transformed by him or to completely reject him. Again, you, you can't just be like, yeah, okay, I like that Jesus saved my soul and then I haven't really changed anything, though, in my life. Like, your life is going to look really different if Jesus has been received in your heart. It's going to look really different. Your values are going to be different. Your priorities are going to be different. Your thoughts are going to be diff- diff- different. Because you're not allowed to let your thoughts wander into sinful places. You're not allowed to let your feet and your hands do things that you maybe once were okay with. You're not allowed to treat people the way that other people treat people. We are called to holiness. And so you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to live that way all the time, but you want to. You're striving for it. You're saying, oh God, that I might walk according to your truth. Your heart's desire is there. Another question, have I truly repented from sin and desperately run to Jesus as my only hope? And I like these adjectives. We have to have, there has to be a sense of desperation. There's got to be some sense of, oh, if Jesus didn't save me, if Jesus didn't die on the cross for my sins, where would I be? And there's an overwhelming sense of just desperation for Jesus because you know there is no other hope. I really believe that's an important sense to have within you. What has Jesus done to your affections? Your values? Your heart? What is it that you long for now? Because again, Jesus says, you can't serve both God and money. 
You can't serve both God and sex. You can't serve both God and pride and fill in the blank, whatever it is that you're searching for or seeking after or desiring in life. You just, you can't have two masters. And so what has God, what has Jesus done to your affections? And then lastly, have I become so familiar with Jesus that I have lost the power and wonder of his grace and calling on my life to testify to his salvation that's available to all? Have you, have you become so familiar with the process of, you know, going to church, you know, yeah, I've heard the stories before, I've heard those worship songs before, and it's just mechanical. And you've lost the wonder. You've lost the heart. Maybe today, even right now as we close, you need to have some time to seeking God's face and asking him to reignite the fire within you. Ask the Holy Spirit to penetrate those deeper places of your heart. Because if you really love Jesus, if you really understood what Jesus has done for you, this really shouldn't be threatening. It, it can be. It can be a little bit scary. But if you know Jesus, you can trust him. That when he peels back those deeper places and those maybe uncomfortable places, it's not a painful experience. The love of, the love of God overwhelms in the moments of brokenness, in the conviction of sin, as you feel awful and guilty, there is beauty and grace. And that is the joy of, of seeking after and serving the Lord. That is the joy of having a relationship with God, is that he disciplines for joy, for his glory. So let's, let's close with Hebrews chapter 3. Here's the scripture. He says, watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. And here, here's the application again. So watch out, but encourage each other daily while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. So church, endure. Let's endure. Let's not become negatively familiar with Jesus, but let's become very familiar with Jesus by abiding in him, growing more and more in his grace, in his wonder, in his beauty, in his magnificence of his character and his work. Because he has poured out his grace lavishly on us. Let's enjoy that. Let's worship him for that. Let's never lose that wonder and beauty. And so let's, let's uh, sing our final song. Worship team, you can come on up. Uh, let's rejoice in the everlasting God that we have. Let's, let's praise his great and glorious name this, this morning because he's worthy of it. And let's challenge our hearts, even right now as we pray. Uh, Lord God, I pray that you would make us your children to be sensitive to your spirit. Challenge us, God. Prod us and pry us. Encourage us, God, where we need it. Draw us near to you so that we might persevere. And God, give us the wisdom and the diligence to seek your face and to never lose that wonderment of who you are, the beauty, the glory, and the amazing work of your grace in our lives, God. It is absolutely amazing. So, God, we come to you this morning uh, asking you to uh, keep us in your grace. We know that you will. 
God, but we don't trust ourselves. Um, and so, God, we need each other. Uh, I need this church. I need loving people to come alongside of me and encourage me. And I think we all do. And so, God, inspire us in this. Lead us in this. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.